All right, everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason here with Brian, Tommy, and Caleb, as always. Uh, let's just do a quick little check-in. Tommy, are you there? Are you alive? Are you awake? I am. I'm here. How's it going? All right. All right. All right. Caleb, are you breathing over there? It looks like you are. Mic check. Yep. Doing good. Awesome. And Brian, are you online all the way from Thailand? We're live. All right. Everybody's good. Everybody's beautiful and blue today. Um, so we want to cover a few things. We kind of have a theme for this discussion we're going to have, and it's kind of centered around stories, but there's really, I guess, three things that we want to hit on this. First, we want to kind of you know, mention and show the importance, the need for stories as human beings and in our lives. And we're going to look at how stories influence our decisions, sometimes whether we realize it or not, to be honest. And then eventually we want to get to how can we use stories in our lives to authentically connect with people and communicate because that's it's actually how people connect and communicate in the first place we just might not be aware of it and we might not be intentional about utilizing stories in that connection and i think i mean we'll get to this a little bit later but you see a lot of issues in personal connections with people when that aspect of life is missing so i think caleb i think you had something you wanted to start us off with on this topic yeah, I think this topic has been on my mind for the past couple of weeks. My friends and I have been talking about it and we create like a lot of content for social media, but we went talking about how like sometimes we feel like what, like what we're doing isn't necessarily giving meaning to anything or inspiring anything. Like it's good what we're doing, but how can we like connect with people more and what we create more than it just being content for the sake of being content. And we kind of came to this conclusion that like we have to tell stories in the videos that we make or in the photos that we post because that's what connects with people and that's what gives meaning to what we're doing to inspire people to um, do something differently. So, so tell me more about that. What can you kind of express? What what does that look like? Just so if. What's the difference between, hey, I'm just posting some information. Why isn't that effective versus you telling a story? Like, what would that look like? Yeah, so I think the reason it came up is because our objective is to create a lot of content to share information with people. So when we're posting content, we feel like it's just the same as every other source of information out there because the internet's just oversaturated with commercials and information that you're getting just facts. But when we see content, the only time we interact with it is when it's actually inspiring. And usually what's inspiring is actually a story because when you tell a story, you're not trying to sell yourself. You're not trying to like create this image for yourself. If you're telling a story, you're just laying it out as a narrative of this is what happened. And I think anybody can connect with a story, whereas people won't really connect with information because that's just facts that going to their mind. But a story speaks to people's hearts because maybe there's something in that story that they feel is similar to their life or they feel sympathy or empathy or they feel like, wow, that's inspiring. I wish like I could be a part of that or that would happen to me. And so I think the difference for us is like when you tell a story the purpose isn't to sell yourself because you're actually just sharing it for the sake of inspiration to create more art than just creating content for the sake of like putting yourself out there to get people to interact with you so I think it's like more about the core motivation when you're creating content and everything because essentially there's when you're creating a story you're still creating content let me interject with that. Yes, you're still creating content, but do you think the motivation has to change as well? Like a good storyteller, it seems to me they have to listen to stories. Like the storyteller can't have every story about themselves. So so there's this, I'm, I'm sharing a story someone told me, I'm sharing. It seems like when you hear a good storyteller, you know also that they're an active listener in order to put that story into something that can be repeated. And so it seems to me like a good story gets passed on, like a good movie. And, and even though you might have a writer of that movie, and 
but it's coming from content that they've absorbed from hearing and listening. It, it's it's not really a, a story is not really a monologue. It's more of a dialogue of things that had they've they've put together in concentration to bring the movie. And you could feel the difference in someone could make a point with a story. Um, for instance, I, I, you know, you're talking about that. I, I'll never forget when I was reading, it was Norman Vincent Peale's book. I, I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't the power of positive thinking. It was, a, it was one of a different book he wrote. And there's a story in there that he was somehow, I, I want to think that he was like a sailor or he was in the Navy or something, but he ended up as a young man in, I think it was like Shanghai, China, or anyway, it was some Asian port that they were ported in. And in that time, he was walking down the street and he went by a tattoo parlor. And on the window, they had different tattoos you could get. And one said, born to lose. And it would made him really curious. So he walked into this tattooist and he was this old, old Asian man. And Norman asked, so do people get that tattooed on them? And he said, yes. He said, why do they get that tattooed on them? He And the this this Asian man in his you know how you have that wise communication he said first tattoo on heart then on arm and i thought it was a very and so he's making this point how like we believe something about ourselves then we reflect it now my whole point of Mm -hmm. that is i think that's very fascinating because i never forgot that story but it wasn't his story it was this this thing from listening to someone else that he was putting to make a point about something else, uh, a, a different emphasis he was trying to make. But I never forgot that story. I don't even know the point he was trying to make with it, but the story has stuck with me for all these years. So back to your point, there's something very sticky about a good story that touches something, and it doesn't have to be long. Yeah, I think one of the core parts there is that like that story's not he's not telling the story for selfish reasons. Like there's no self-interest when you're telling a story like that because it's not a story about him. And so I think when people like hear a story and it's not necessarily, this is a story about myself that this happened and all that besides if it's like close friends, but when people can trust your motive for telling the story initially, because it's like, you're not trying to sell yourself or anything like that. But if it's just a story for the sake of like, sharing a story of someone else you heard and it's not for selfish reasons then I think there's something about that where it's like you can connect with it more than if it was just a story for the sake of other reasons besides just sharing a story so not to go too long on that but don't people still use stories to manipulate to get their point oh yeah so you said they don't necessarily do it for selfish reasons I kind of get your point with that but like if you knew a good strategy for stickiness was a good story, wouldn't you just do that if your objective was to get people to see your information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I would argue, unless I'm wrong, that you won't remember a story that has that motivation necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like you could remember it because it was like so outlandish that it stuck out to you. But I think the stories that mean things to us usually would be ones that don't have hidden motives or anything like that because in the future that story didn't do anything to harm us if that person had manipulative motives so that story would be more meaningful to us Mm -hmm. I could be wrong on that but no okay that was a good clarification so basically even though the story may be sandwiched into a point that the speaker's trying to make you may still remember the story and extract something completely different than even the point that they're making. So the story itself remains in a way remains somewhat pure, even if it's used within the wrong. Okay. That makes sense. I think stories are so powerful because they create, the communal experience and like the community around the story. And so I find it fascinating what you, both of you are kind of talking about how, I think Brian, you bring up a good point that stories can also create something bad too. Is that kind of what you're saying? And that like, uh, well, no, you can, 
just to clarify, I was saying you could still use a story in a manipulative way to make a point, but I think Caleb did a good job of kind of unpacking that. The story itself, you can in, take it, like if it's a very manipulative story, let's say, you could see, oh, that's what happens when a person gets manipulative. Like you could extract so much. So someone can use the story for their benefit, but the story itself has a pureness to it because it's not really your story. Is that, mm. is that a good example, Caleb? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that's clarified. I guess my thought process goes to like, how, how do stories develop? Like, is when you guys are talking about stories, are you talking about like stories that you heard and pass on? Or are you talking about like developing stories of like, how, how do you build like a story narrative that, like I think of like, how do you get certain people to think other people are bad? Like you tell a story about them, you weave throughout history, right? So I just. Well, let's, let's put that into context. Even if they weave something bad in the story, as long as the story itself is based in truth. So let's say the person did something bad and they're telling a bad story about the person. Like there's not too many good stories about Hitler, you're just telling the story and people's experience with him, right? If the story is still true, even if they're encapsulating the story and only pulling out a section of their life, the story can still has to be true. So I guess something is the story has to be based in truth. Now, the story itself can just be like a, a parable or a... Uh, uh, a fictional story, but you could read long enough and you could start connecting. Okay. I can see the truths in those things, like in a character, or even if the events weren't necessarily true, there's something in that story, but back to the bigger picture is you don't forget the story. If it's a good story, you don't forget it. Is it that you don't forget a good story or is it that you don't forget like it's just that stories that aren't based in truth don't get remembered or don't get passed on. Does that make sense? Like, would would a story that's not based in truth maybe be passed on to a certain extent before people realize it's not really based in truth and it no longer gets passed on? Well, maybe maybe we could look at it this way. Is something, to make it a story, there has to be a character there has to be some kind of something in that story that you can connect with. If it's just a story and you can't connect with anything, you won't remember the story. But if all of a sudden it becomes personal and this person had to overcome or this person faced this or this person did this great atrocity and here's what they were thinking in it. Um, for example, these when i was looking through and studying about the father the fatherless issues and how it's affected society uh the story of joseph stalin growing up was really a tragedy of of how he grew up and and what he had to face and having a deeply abusive alcoholic father that ended up dying and then he had i think it was smallpox and so he had bad acne all over his face and he just was kind of this outsider. And then he finally goes, his mom wanted to go him to go to Jesuit school. So he goes to Jesuit school and he was mocked and ridiculed there. And this deep bitterness arose. And all of a sudden, you know, you, we could see that the choices that were made off of that as he transformed into who Stalin is. But that story, whether, whether you're looking at what he became or just the effects of those things, there's so, there's so many things you could pull from, even though it's a bad story. Who did jo the Joker? The actor is Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. Okay, so Joaquin Phoenix did the Joker. And it's really a very, uh, I didn't see it. I've just seen like clips and people talk about it. But from what I understand, it's a very dark movie of how the Joker came about to be uh, Batman's villain. But the way they did the story, it kind of created a sense of, not approval of what he did, but a sympathy because you start seeing how this character was developed through that whole life. So anyway, yeah. just knowing those background stories, I, I know it's a fictional character. It's a completely fictional story, 
but people could connect with those things or at least see it or observe it and kind of is like, oh, wow. So it connects people into the story because there's something that is human or non-human in, in that element. Versus if you just said, this is how we grew up, boom, 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 bullet point it, don't be like this. It, that would be harder than if you see how that develops and how it became a part of him. And you could see the evil that started flowing into him. It's like, oh, wow, that's something to observe. And you can use that for a positive or a negative. So I think there's the power of a story. One thing that I just kind of thought of, and this could maybe tr help transition as we go, maybe talking to, into the next question that we kind of were bringing up. But I just find it really interesting that like through the gospels that even Jesus, he spoke in parables and he spoke in stories and like, I don't know. It's just interesting how those stories can affect now our decisions today. Yeah. You ever wonder why Jesus didn't speak like a theologian? <laughs> he didn't do classes. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I just, I, I just find it interesting. He didn't start a school. He didn't start a, he did go into the temple and he taught. But based on what's recorded about him, it was more about parables. The kingdom of God is like. And then he would share this story. And it's interesting. Every person he interacted with is a story. It's a story about the leper. It's a story about the woman at the well. It's a story. There's very few just messages. But even when he speaks the Beatitudes, if you keep listening, he went and lived all those things out in the next chapter. Like he taught it then he showed it then he told his disciples to go do it so he was integrating information to the story into their story and then they had to go live that out until it became a part of them so to your point everything is story the whole old testament is story even you could pull leviticus and like very detailed of how the temple was to go but if you read it in a little bit broader spectrum it's really the story of exodus and then god speaking and how he's shaping things and then the people leave and i believe it was at the end of deuteronomy when moses finally reminded them of the law he says i want you to remember this because when you don't do it i want you to know you're not doing it like it wasn't even like a positive thing it was more like you're gonna mess this thing up and i want it reminded to you where you missed it but the bottom line is he that was a whole story and they would, they would go through that. It wasn't like they sat down and memorized the word, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill. Okay, today don't kill, 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 don't kill. You know, it wasn't that kind of meditation. It was the stories behind it. Oh, oh, oh. Now you have to live out that thing. But there was other stories that connected that together. I think too, even out of the context of the Bible, like from what I remember learning in history classes, a lot of ancient civilizations had oral traditions where they would pass down stories of their mothers and fathers, their ancestors, all that, and that would shape whole societies. Like even if you think about it today, like I think of a lot of American society for certain people is based off like the stories of like the American Revolution. Like why do Americans love freedom so much? It's like that's what we were founded on. And those stories now still inspire us today. And I think like sometimes we can forget of how sh like powerful and strong stories are to actually influence, influence us and even influence like culture and society and stuff. So true. With that, would, would it be safe to say that maybe there's a reason that you can look at certain periods in history where people have try to prohibit the distribution of certain stories and certain ways of thinking because of the effect it can have on people. I mean, think of, think of how massive of an impact that has then to where people and organizations will literally go to the most extreme lengths possible just to prevent a story being told or an idea being told. That tells you that they have power. And that they affect change and influence people. One, one of my heroes, uh, Peter Daniels from South Australia, the billionaire, 
Christian philanthropist, one thing that he had stated was when he was asking people, how do you develop? How do you get there? And, and he mentioned some how-to books that helped him, like how to win friends, influence people. There, there was some good, but by the way, if you read that book, it's all stories. It, it's not really do this, do this, do this. It's stories. But anyway, he was talking about a little bit about that, but he's read, I forgot how many thousand biographies of people. And someone asked him, like, why do you recommend and why do you read so many biographies? He says, because I want to understand how they thought in their decision making. And I thought that was a really, really powerful idea. And I don't hear many people ever saying that of when you read someone's story, even if, even if you don't like the person or you don't like the outcome of what they do, if you can get I don't know if you can get as many true ones today, but if you can get something that has a true basis of their story, it helps shape how they came to their decision-making process. It helps shape how they view the world. It helps shape why they did those decisions the way they did. Now, it doesn't mean make those decisions, but it gives you some background context of why they did what they did. One thing I'd like to bring up quick is just like a real example of how stories really influenced our decisions and uh, I don't know if you even remember this Brian um I remember when you came and coached with soccer one of the early stories that you showed us was the miracle on ice and that story really connected our team together of like that underdog that that mentality and that story really ended up being lived out through what we did like that story became ours. And so that influenced our decisions on a daily basis on the field. And I think for me, that just shows how stories can really get connected with people and they can really live out that story in their own life. Now, let me ask you a question real quick. Why, what, why did that impact the team so much? You could, a lot of them had already seen the movie, but why didn't they connect the dots into this why was it that moment that it began shaping things? I think it was because of the communal experience of like what we did in that moment, like literally for practice, that is what we did. We watched this movie and that became the experience of like everyone began, began to connect the dots of like this story to what we are doing on the field as a whole and what, the mission of our team is as well and so i think stories can really bring a powerful like communal experience where people can connect through that story and they don't understand they don't see like how that story is really impacting what they're trying to accomplish too but they, it gives them something to connect to and to relate to and to see that they're not the only ones going through something or they're not the only ones who've ever felt this difficulty or challenge and so I, I really think it's that communal experience and the community that it built when we watched that together. There's something really amazing about watching or listening to or experiencing something with other people. I think of like my roommates and I, when we, when like I can watch something on my own, I don't get as much as if I watch something with my roommates. And we, we all come at this with different angles and we pick stuff out of the story that we can then use to connect to our lives. And so I, I think that communal experience is just really, that's what changed our team. Hmm. Maybe we can just transition to the next point because I think this is all going to flow in and that will kind of great segue is how can we use stories to help our decision-making process? How do this... How much does a fact determine our decision-making process or how much does a story determine our decision-making process? Um, that like typically for me, I think the facts usually have little to no influence on my decision-making process. And I think when I hear a story, that's what inspires me, motivates me, changes my mind and changes ultimately my decision when it comes to 
doing things in life, like the stories my dad tells me from when he's a kid influence how I think about life in general, the stories like, or even movies like Lord of the Rings, which are based on books and that's all stories. Like even those, like they have metaphorical truths in them, the Bible, like I think our whole lives, even if we don't realize it is influenced by stories. It's influenced by the stories our parents tell us, the stories we see on TV, um, the stories we tell ourselves because you have stories in your head of when you were a kid and how you interpreted things and that's your story, your perspective. And so I think for me, like stories I hear even shape who I am and stories that I choose to like make a part of my life more than just like, that's a story that I know because stories that you know could just be facts too, but stories that you like choose to basically make a part of yourself, I think is what changes you. And I think like, like the gospel is a story. It's a story of good news of Jesus coming to earth. And that's influenced and changed my life because I've chosen to make that a part of my story. And so I think it's like our lives are connect these connected stories. Like you were saying, Tommy, like what made that movie so much more powerful when you watched it with like your team, it's because you all connected to the story. So then you were all connected to a bigger story and your each of your stories fitted individually into that. And so I think like stories really are more powerful than maybe how sometimes how much we consider because stories can sometimes be metaphorical, but there's just as much truth in that too when it, it becomes applied to our life. So I think stories are a huge instrument in our decision-making process because even if we say we know the facts, we could hear a story about how it turned out differently if you followed that quote-unquote fact and then, you know, like you might go based off that story instead of the fact so because someone like it'd be like metaphorically speaking there's two doors someone tells you hey the door on the right is safe the door on the left like it's not safe there's a bear behind that door but somebody who went through the door on the left says um there wasn't a bear behind that door so the left door is safe and i went through that i think you'd probably unless assuming both are like well, the first one's not telling the truth, but I think you'd believe the story of the person who experienced it if they honestly did experience it more than just the person who's giving you the facts who hasn't gone through it. Like, I think stories are also developed out of people's decisions and that's why they have so much influence too. So how much of an, so that decision-making process, like what you're just saying, like you gave two examples. When I think of, like the, the the 12 spies who go into the promised land, they come back to come back with a good report, 10 come back with a negative report, right? And the 10 came back and they actually both described the truth. But one had a weak hand and the other came back with, but we're just grasshoppers in their sight. We're just small little nothing in their sight. So we're not competent enough. If you remove their interpretation, the stories were both accurate. But then they added their interpretation of it. But you could even as an objective person saying, oh, I could hear the negative report and still be confident to go get it if I knew what was behind me. It's, it's almost like, hey, you're going to be playing this. If you're in a sporting event, you're going to be playing this super tough team. They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. But if you have some experience of dealing with that, you'll be like, okay, good. Then they're going to be overconfident. So here's what we could do. Like you could still interpret a good thing out of either one of those two stories. The problem was the motive. And then they added their little extra that wasn't part of the stories. Like we're just grasshoppers in their sight. And they added their own personal well, dynamic. I, I would say in that example, that, really shows the difference between information and the story because mm. the information and the facts are all there but then the 10 spies start telling the story of we cannot do this so if we try to go in there we're going to be destroyed so now they're telling the story and there's this picture painted of 
walking through something and being defeated. Could could we and say that's then, how the people made their decision because the people rallied behind those 10 because of the story, not because of the information. And that's actually how people operate. We don't operate based on, well, let me look at the evidence that all the spies bring back and let me look at what the information God told us and let me just base my decision in my uh, my life on the information. That's not how people lived and operated then and that's not how we operate now you operate could, based on the story you align with could we uh, could we clarify that point they told the story then they added information because they told the story we went in there was grapes and land and all this and there was giants and there was these things then they added their interpretation of that story. So maybe if we separated the interpretation of the story as information and fact or opinion or dialogue or punditry, but just left the story for what it was, anyone could have, if they just came and said, this is what the land is and left it there. Could, I, don't think could be... I don't think that happens ever though. No, but that's one thing is when we're listening to a story and we're separating the opinions added to the story and the story itself. Right. You could take any story and pull something from it. We just have to learn to filter off the assessment of the story. Right. Yeah. This could be nitpicking terms, but could you say that like everybody is sharing information, but the information becomes a story once you add your perspective or interpretation to it? So they have the information, both Caleb and Joshua had the information and the other spies had the information, but they both told two different stories because one was telling a positive and one was telling a negative. And well, would that be, that, would that be the difference between in, in this example? Look, um, look at these grapes and figs that we brought back. They're big and amazing. That's the fact. That's the information. The story is we went to this land, journeyed around. We saw these giants. We climbed up these trees and grabbed all this fruit and brought it all back. And God is saying that he's giving this land into our hands. That's the story. The, in, the raw information is we went over there. We have big grapes and figs from that land, which is not really a way that anyone communicates because you always tell true. the story. That's true. But like you were saying, there's, then there's this twist of perspective and opinion on the story and what the following story would be. If we go in now, then we're going to be destroyed versus if we go in now, God delivers it into our hands. So now we see the opinions twisting the story. Almost like if I told you the story of Stalin's early time and saying, see, he was justified for just wanting to get revenge on all those that betrayed him. Mm. he was actually a good guy it was everybody else that was bad he was mistreated he was a victim he was and i could make a case i would never make that case but i could make the case of why he actually wasn't the problem it was everybody else when i hear you guys discuss kind of what you're talking about <clears throat> i think of how much do our emotions play into how we interpret these stories, right? Like with your example, Brian, what if you could tell the story of Stalin or whoever you were, I, I, I don't yeah. know if I got the name right or whatever, but if you told that story without telling me who it was, you just told me the story, I'd be like, man, this guy is totally justified in what he's doing. This is da 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 And then you tell me who it is and then logic kicks in and it's like, no, 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 this is bad. This is wrong. Like, you know, you completely flip, but it's all based on how our emotions deal with the story that we're told. Right. Cause when you think of how do we make a decision, I think of, well, you, you, you would love to make decisions logically, but as humans, we often make so many of our decisions based on emotion, right? The vast, vast, vast majority. We're, we're, we love that's one thing I've noticed about, and myself included, because spoiler alert, I'm a human. We love to think that we make all of our decisions logically. In reality, we make our decisions emotionally. 
it's kind of a hard fact that a lot of people have to face. I mean, think about it. Most, pretty much most wars were started over an emotional event, not over the facts of the matter. Now, you may have been able to tie facts into it, and it was inevitable per se, but usually the kickoff of it was more emotional. Well, and think of that for a minute. I mean, what what topic or what what area of life does anyone have no emotional connection to? You know, if I tell you something that's going on in the Middle East, you already have an emotional connection one way or the other. If I tell you something going on politically, you already have a pre-established emotional connection one way or the other. If I tell you something about my kids, you already have an emotional connection one way or the other. Like, it's just, there's, there's not really a scenario that I've thought of where anyone can look at something without already having an emotional connection to it. There are things you're unaware of, but there's, but you're still driven by the emotion because our, our entire lives have been built on emotional connection to stories and things that we observe and see. That's why kids don't really love school because, and I, I don't want to get on a school rant, but we've made school completely void of emotion, at least in the classroom. You're not supposed to be emotionally connecting to math. You're supposed to just be logically regurgitating the information that I've given you. And I'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong. It's just, it's very interesting. We have such an aversion to the logic as kids, or, or I should say we have an aversion to an environment where the emotion is stripped away and you're supposed to only operate in logic. Like it just doesn't really seem to gel. And that's maybe kind of a bunny trail, but. Can we, can we play off that for just a moment? Cause that's very interesting. So if you're creative, if you're artistic, if you, uh, you, what you just described math is the most cold, unemotional, disconnected subject. But then you take someone who is more engineering, they see it as energy. Like, oh, it's true. You can't bend these rules. There's something that's stable. There's something that's solid. And they can't stand painting uh, the English literature class and this. Blah, blah, blah. They want to know. But I think this is where, where we could really make a great point is if we sit and listen to someone on I don't mean both sides of the aisle. I want to remove all politics just for a moment. You listen to someone who's engineering and you hear how they look at life and why it's so attractive. You're like, huh, well, that makes sense. I, I can't really see it because I, maybe I'm more of the creative type. But now all of a sudden you start looking at things. You can make different kinds of decisions because you could see perspective in there that both have a benefit. You know what I'm, you know what I'm getting? Yes. At? So there's, there's something so fascinating when you do that. And I've, I've done that. One of my, one of my uh, cousins, well, she was actually, I've known her since I was a small kid. She might be the, the person I've known the longest in my life outside of family friend wise, but she married one of my cousins and uh, she's a PhD in, um, in some form of chemistry I, I can't even remember the specific field of it but i just i always just say that she's you know into science um but i'll go over to their house and i'll i'll grab one of her textbooks because she does a lot of student instruction as well as her you know her professional job and everything and i'll have her walk me through some of this stuff like i'll i have no idea what this book on uh synthetic or organic chemistry is talking about but i'll start to engage with her in the topic and I can start to see how her mind works and how things function in that world. And it's actually fascinating. Like without that connection though, to me, it seems the most dull, just boxed in mathy kind of stereotypical math, boring thing that you just numbers and beakers and all this stuff. But there's actually a, a flow to it. There's a life to it. There's a logical connection to it and so i as a creative person but she's not into music not into the creative side of the world at all she's very much on the other side of it but there's a connection that happens there because you're interacting with the other person's story and they're walking you through it it's really interesting like the stories that we hear 
and when it has like a personal connection to us that's what actually makes it powerful it's not just like the information that we have but when we actually connect it to a person and to the bigger story of like where there's a human element to it and not just the information that's what moves us when you hear stories on the news like you can see all the numbers and statistics and that won't for me personally that won't move me that much but then if I hear an individual story of how this affected this one person like that'll move me more than the facts and to st- statistics and that's what like will impact me uh, one of the girls in our group shared a story she goes I want to tell the story that just happened this week so for a year she had to make a decision about her business to being sold and she kept going around and around and around and so last week she was asking what should I do and I just I shared another story I said just make a decision get on your bike and start riding and then you'll be able to turn the wheel but doing nothing is you're going to be here in two years and three years and four years making the same decision so she made a decision so she went forward with her decision that not only was she going to move her shop but she was going to sell everything in her shop and just reopen a new shop and so but the big hangup was, was there's this junked out car that got parked in front of her shop and it's been sitting there for a year and no one wants to come to the shop because this old car is blocking the shop. Now it's very fascinating if they would have moved the car or if they would have had the car moved a year ago, she probably wouldn't even be thinking about selling the shop. But she makes this decision to sell the shop. So she went home and she was praying. She goes, God, someone was interested in buying the shop but that car's there and I'm very concerned if they come and see the shop, they're not going to want it because the same problem I'm going to have is because that car is parked right out in front and no one can get into the shop. Well, the next morning she goes down, the car's been there for one year and the car was gone. So all of a sudden one of the shop people from the, one of the people who owned the shop next door came over and said, uh, told her, oh, the city finally came around and impounded the car and moved it. And she was so elated because she finally made a decision. And all of a sudden, these things started opening up. But this was, she had been praying about this forever. But when she finally made a decision of whether to stay or whether to go, all of a sudden things started moving. But a lot of her decision was based on that car sitting there. But when she just made a decision to go forward, it's interesting how that was no longer the hindrance for her to move forward. Mm. But it all came from the stories, not from information, not from facts, not from statistics. Yeah, because I think about that story. And I think if you came up to me and said, hey, if you make a decision, things will change and it'll get better. I'd be like, all right, whatever you say, like on the other side of that, I don't know, you're crazy. But then you tell me this story and even I'm believing right now, like, man, if I make a decision on some things right now, maybe some cars will quote unquote get moved in my life, you know, like in a silly metaphorical way. But like, that's so much more powerful because it's connected to this person with that. Whereas when you just tell me that information, there's like no emotion connected to it but you're telling me this story where I have empathy for this person person because I'm thinking like, oh man, they're struggling with this car blocking their shop and all that. And then, then you tell me at the end, like, look what happened. You wouldn't even have to tell me, make a decision and all that. In my head, I've already collected from the story. Mm. I should make a decision. You didn't have to tell me that because the story did without directly telling me. Because I think we've trained ourselves and it's just a natural way of who we are as people is like we collect information from stories without that being directly told to us and it's more powerful that way because we almost come to that conclusion ourselves based off what we get from the story so how do we take this truth and start to implement that and how we communicate and connect with people and the, the contrast I'll give is this, especially in, you know, in, in the church world and Christianity, someone comes up and says, oh, I'm feeling under the weather. And the response is, well, God's the healer. Great. Thanks for that information. Or someone says, I got this, you know, this 
thing issue is really bothering me. It's giving me anxiety about it. Well, the Bible says, cast your cares on him and he'll take care of you. Thanks for that information. And the problem is that's how we all communicate. Not all, but that's how most spiritual communication and connection goes in a lot of churches. So how do we start to shift that away from, well, someone has this problem. So what information can I give them to help their problem or that should help their problem and start thinking, how do I connect this person to what's really going on and open up something in their heart? I think it's what Brian just did two seconds ago and it's share stories or share your experiences if they're willing to listen or share other people's stories. And that's what will change them. Cause if you like, I, like we were saying, like if you just give them the information, they're going to be like, okay, well, I've heard that before. Cause I'm sure everybody's heard the information that you're probably about to give them. But if you tell them a story of a person being healed, well, Hey, I saw this the other day and I saw this person be healed when I prayed for them or once, when, when somebody prayed for them or like telling stories of like revivals. I think if you tell it in the right way and the right heart and everything um, that can influence people. And I think that's what can change people. And the verse that comes to mind, I can't remember the reference, but it's the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy. And I think like, our stories can be so powerful that it can even like change our futures. Cause if you think about it, what it's saying there is like the story of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and prophecy is like concerning the future. So I think when you tell stories that can influence people so much that it'll change what they're going to do in the future. So I think if we want to influence people and like change them more than just giving for them information, just share stories with them and also listen to their story. Cause I think that, like tells people that you actually care. And I think that's why like sharing stories is such a powerful thing. Like that's how you become friend, like good friends with people. Good friends will share stories from over the years and that's what connects them. So let me, let me step that back just for a moment. Cause I think you're, you're, you're right. But maybe if we go back one step is Caleb, how do you know the story to tell that person? think because I was luckily lucky enough to have somebody else tell me that story or I saw it happen so you heard it you listened to it it meant something to you and you're passing that on I think maybe part of the fear of why we don't connect is and it's gotten worse now the way we do so with the way we communicate through social media and, and everything nothing's in person there's no human interaction there's no facial expressions everybody's masked up. You can't, you, you can't interact in a way that's very personal. And I think sometimes, so the key is you have to listen and maybe the right question isn't, how are you doing today? Maybe that isn't the question because if they want to talk, they're going to probably say, oh, it's horrible or it's man, it is so great, but we really don't want to listen. And I think that's why we get the pat answer um, under the weather. So you kind of want to, you, you kind of want them to know things aren't good, but you're knowing nobody really cares. So we throw a pat answer to, to quicken the thing so we can move on. I think that's where, because of our social dynamics, everything is in a quick connector thing. You got five minutes in the foyer from going in if you're in church, and then that's when you're going to talk and then boom, boom, boom. And you want to chit chat, but you don't really want to chit chat. So it's easier to talk about the weather or uh, a key phrase, and then you move on, but no one remembers the interaction versus maybe the issue is we need to create different kinds of community that you could actually, if you're at an event, like just think about it, you go to a sporting event, you're sitting there, you're going to end up chatting about more things than if you caught them in a foyer at a church. Because everything's lighter, you can chat about anything. Now, maybe the question, then we could hear their story. But maybe we don't, maybe we don't really like listening to people. Maybe we're deeply wanting to be heard. So when we're finally around, you want to offer information so you're heard. But we don't really want, I don't know if that's what we're really wanting either. I think we want to be heard. So how, how does that help with story? Because true storytelling 
the Bible was up and for a long time was passed down orally. So you have all the oral conversations probably sitting around a meal, sitting around the fire. I, I think about the early New Testament church. They didn't have writings. And a lot of them, like the Galatian church, wasn't Jewish, so they didn't have any of the Old Testament writings. So all they could do is sit around and tell each other the stories. Very personal, which is probably why there was communion and there was meals. And those things were deeply a part of that, the depth of their holding power. So how do we bring that back? How do we, is it even possible? I think some of the views are, the long form podcast has helped break down a lot of that. So you could hear a whole dialogue between people and really connect on different stories and uh, how they view life. And it, there's something very meaningful about that. And I think there's a hunger for it, but how do we create that in our communities? How could this go into play? I think it starts with language. Um, one thing that, I heard the other day that I think had an impact on me and that I hope to start applying in my life is um, changing how you interact with people going from like, Oh, how are you doing to, if I was to pray for you today, what would you need prayer for? And you get a deeper connection right away. I think if, if you really want connection and you really, that's what you're looking for is the fluff needs to go if you, if you really care about connection and if you really want to connect with the other person and that's their choice too. Connection is not just a one way street. It's a, it's a two way street. You know, you have to be vulnerable and they have to be vulnerable. And I think the most important thing about asking that question is then you have to listen to the story, right? Mm. Because oh my day can be bad and you'd be like, Oh man, I'm sorry to hear your day was bad. Or my day was bad because of, I got in a car accident and now I'm just late for work and now I'm stressed because I need to do X, Y, Z for my boss. And, and now you just heard a story and now you know how to actually connect with that person and actually make a difference in that person's life. And how many times have just, you probably did more for that person of hearing that than anything you could say back to them. So how story works both directions. Sometimes just as far as the listener goes, it, it does something for you, for you personally to be able to share a story. And then that can become a story for you too. Like if you listen to that story and you hear that person out and then you, by you listening to them, they're able to change that situation and get through. That's another story you can use with someone else that you come into contact with. And I think that's the power of like stories. Hmm. So we've kind of concluded stories are working both directions. It's helpful to the person to tell it. It's also helpful to the person to hear it. And it, it really is a, an input that we absorb. We're almost designed for that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like this is me speaking to myself, but like, Sometimes personally, I just like, I'm like, oh, I don't have the time. Like when I'm thinking about like listening to this person's stories. And I think like thinking in high school, like you grow up and like you're taught how to argue, like you can have debate classes. All we see on TV is arguing between people. So we all know how to give our stories. We all know how to give our information and like spout it out as fast as we can because we know nobody's caring to actually listen. So we're trying to get it. So at least we like think we got something into their brain and we're trying to do it as fast as we can on social media because everybody's attention span is quote unquote 15 seconds. And like, I'm even thinking of the story, like my sister and I used to argue back and forth like crazy. And then one time I was with my aunt and I started arguing with her and she was like, hold on, you can take a second. Like you can take a breath in between your arguing. And I think like what you're saying, Tommy, it's like, we've kind of lost this art of like, just listening. Like that's how stories were passed on that influence societies. They, the children would sit and listen to their mother and father telling these stories. And I think if we can take a moment, like I'm talking to myself, like I need to actually care to hear people's stories because then that's probably going to do 
more for me than even for them because I'm going to understand people more. I'm going to have more knowledge, more understanding. And so I think like for myself taking away from this, I'm like, man, I need to just sit down and listen to some people. And when you sit down and listen to people, if someone listens to me talk and rant when I know it's ridiculous, I know they actually care about me. Like, I'm like, I'll come away from that conversation. They might not have said a word and hear me just like frustrated. And I'm go, well, wow, they're such a great friend. They didn't say anything to me, but it's like, that's a true friend. And that person might go away being like, well, you know, but I think if they listened, they did care. So I think that's something for myself is like, man, I got to sit down and listen to people. And I think that's how you can change people's lives and change your own life for the better. It's not like what you're going to be able to argue out of their brain. It's going to be to sit down and care and show that you're listening. Like, you sitting there Brian and hearing about him complain about all the issues with his job and stuff I'm sure by the end he got it all out and then he was like oh okay what's the real issue like it's like when you sit down and listen that's what can change people more than you arguing with them mm -hmm. to try and change their mind the, I think the funny thing about what you're saying Caleb is like I I like know some specific people in my life where I was like, wow, that was such a good conversation that we had, but it was me just speaking and they were just really good at asking questions and letting me talk. And I was like, and I think that's like the perfect example of like what you're talking about is like, man, we just need to be good at listening and then asking questions that get people to talk more. Yeah. Whenever I hear somebody say like, um, oh, they're easy to talk to like, you know, that person's a good friend to those people because they're easy to talk to. So you can trust them and they actually care when you're talking. And then, you know, like, okay, that person, that person could be a good friend if they're easy to talk to because they're people who actually just listen. I don't when you guys are saying this, this whole thing of how do we connect with others in community and the importance of it. I, I keep thinking of that movie, the very first Karate Kid and the wax on wax off and so he has an objective i want to learn how to do this and his sensei kind of comes in you know the, if you've seen it you've seen the whole story and he's a fatherless kid and single mom and he's trying to make it and this guy kind of doesn't act like he listens because only says little little short little statements but he stays with him like he he just sticks with him so finally he goes and wants to be trained by him and it's just very interesting how that whole journey goes of this deep caring for this guy that later on that sense I could say one word and he would just do it. He didn't even need a story at the end because he played into the story. He, he let that build into him and not tried to make him something different. But he started realizing all those things that were being done had a bigger purpose in the story, like washing all the cars and drying them and waxing the cars. And like, what are you doing to me? You just want slave labor, right? He's mad. And why are you doing all this? This ain't helping me. And then he finally just stopped them. And he put all that together for him. And all of a sudden it, it dawned on him. He was in that big story. And I, I just, I think there's just something so powerful of this and the other thing too it, it's kind of stepping off stories just a little bit how much we're observed when, when we had guys in our program that would say you know for four years we watched i came and i watched and i came and i watched and i came and i watched and i they when they say watch they participated but they weren't interested in what we had to say but they kept coming and then they started watching and seeing oh wow they do that oh wow this is and then they said, we, I want that. So it was like this one moment. It's like, Hey, I want to know God as a father. Well, where, where have you been for four years? We've only been talking about this for how long? I, I didn't say that out loud. I'm thinking that my, you know, kind of the after effect head going, okay, what do I need to learn from this? People observe things and they're, they're looking to trust and they're looking to see that story real in the person. And then all of a sudden when it's real, the words matter. And so again, everything we're talking about, there's such a personal interconnection for real change. And can we get, can we get back to that? How do we, 
bring that together. Yeah. And I think even though you weren't like, they weren't listening to the stories you were telling or what you were like saying to them, you were still telling them a story by what you were doing. Hmm. So like you were physically acting out the story without, you might not like without even having to say it necessarily, but like they saw that your story was matching up with your story. Like the two stories, the one you spoke and the one you did were the same thing. So then they knew that story was true. And so I think that's like what actually influenced them to open up and then be like, okay, we can listen to what he has to say because if his story has been true all these years, then if he tells us the story, it's more than likely that we can trust it because it's the same story he's been living out because his decisions are influenced by the story he's telling. So it's all this one big story that's all connected. And I think that's a way a lot of us like can even know if the stories we're telling are true. Which is interesting. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, our testimony. So how all of that changed us, that is the power broker. That's the story adopted into us. For me, I, I guess an example for myself today is like, I, I started a new internship and I was going through numbers with um, a group of people. And to me, these numbers were just data and they just, I didn't really understand what this really represented. And then we had someone go through the data and build a story and create something out of these little mundane pieces of information that we have. And I guess for me, kind of what I've seen throughout this whole podcast and what we've been talking about is that it's important to recognize where you are in your story, that that is really key, that although you may seem right now like you're just a number, just a data in a large pool of whatever, but that that leads to a story and then that story has power and that just for me, like realizing where I am in my story, it gives me hope for the future that because when I think of like where I am right now, I know where I want to go, but it can be so depressing where when you when you are where you are right now. Or like for me, like I know where I want to go with building a company or building a product or providing a solution but right now i'm just in college i'm so far away and it can be so depressing but i have to realize where am i at in my story and how am i writing my story right now that i can tell in the future and so i think that that's my biggest takeaway from the podcast is just realizing your own story and writing it and maybe you're not writing it maybe you're just finishing the story maybe it's already written for you i think for myself i think if i take anything away from this I think I'm in a rush a little bit too much and I think I want to listen to more people's stories like more personal because like we hear stories online of people and that's awesome but that's not making a person's that a difference in that person's life because I don't actually personally know them it can affect my life but I think I want to listen to my friends stories more and the people around me and I think being like I'm thinking right now I have this person in my head and he really goes and he sits and listens to people's stories and he'll just not say anything the whole time and then leave them. And everybody speaks so highly of him. And I think it's just because he listens to the stories and he really cares. Like he's not just listening to their stories for fun. And I think he's also telling his own story by doing that. He's telling people who he is by sitting there and listening to their stories because he's telling his story through the actions of just sitting there and listening to them. And I think that's what I want to do with my life too. That's like, you can't really, you can only have so much influence over people by just like telling them the truth and all that, because you might not even fully act it out perfectly all the time. So what does it really mean to them? But if you listen to their stories and show you care, that's enough right there, I think, or that's more than typical. And I think people will notice that more than you trying to tell them a truth and all that. So I think listen to people's stories and that tells them a story too. That kind of lines up with what I was looking at as maybe a little takeaway for everybody this week is make it a point to find someone to listen to. 
this week. And, and I'll, I'll put a, a caveat on there because we all know people that will just talk and complain and complain and complain. I don't mean that kind of person necessarily. Those people, I'll give you a, a pass to just avoid them this week. But find someone who's genuinely wanting a conversation or wanting to tell their story, even if they maybe don't know how to explain it and listen to them. And then instead of thinking, oh, well, they're talking about this problem. I know how to fix that. Maybe you don't try to give them a prescription. Maybe just try to connect with the emotion that they're expressing, whether that's in some story that you've experienced or that you've heard. And do that from the perspective of how do I get to their heart of what's going on, to the emotional connection and not to the logical, I know I have the right answers because I read it in a book kind of response. So that's my my little challenge for all of us this week. And we appreciate you guys turning into the episodes. Uh, we'll be back here in the next one to keep this conversation going. Until next time, keep the faith, stay in the fight. <laughs>